Listen, mate, that's not meant to be funny. He's the fourth rapper that's ever been on this stage. And the three, the first three, I was one of them. Myself, Jared, and Louie. So, yeah, I guess it was about time we had a black man rapping. It's uh, kind of how God designed rap to be. Sorry, Eminem. <laughs> Welcome. Something a bit different. We like it. Bit of energy. Huh? See, some of you like a pulse. My God, it's the first time I've had a pulse in church in decades. Well, good. Great that you're here. And you've joined us for week four of a series that we've called Like a Boss. And we very intentionally called that series, uh, it's around money and stuff because of the big idea that if you don't become a boss of your money, your money will become the boss of you. And God has a lot to say on how we handle money. And so we started week one talking about taking charge, becoming like a boss, with faith. See, Jesus said that, that people who know God should actually worry about, should actually be concerned about different things than people who don't know God. And when it comes to money and stuff, if we understand and we recognize that God is actually the source, not your boss, not your paycheck, not your job, not your business, not your husband, in my case, not your wife bringing home the big bucks. She's not my source. They are not. God's ultimately your source. And guess what? He's never going to run out. So why worry? Now, having said that, he doesn't cause us to be ir- call us to be irresponsible and think he's just going to paper mache over the cracks that we've made. And so next week we talked about, in week two, how to take charge with a plan because... A lot of people in Western culture have gotten into debt and we've been convinced that debt is normal. But here's the truth. Debt is common, but it's not normal. God's normal is financial freedom. In fact, he makes this super, super strong statement that the borrower is a slave to the lender. So if you've got credit card debt, you cannot tell MasterCard or Visa how much you're going to pay them. They will tell you how much you're going to pay them. They're the boss of you. So we need to take charge around the area of debt. Then we need to, as we get out of debt and move into financial freedom, start to use some of those same practices that we've developed to pay debt down, to declare war and get to zero when it comes to credit card and personal loan, consumer debt. Start applying some of those same practices and principles to savings. Because here's what most people, sorry, I shouldn't say most people, here's what four out of 10 adult Australians experience looks like following payday. That, that on payday, your source of income, your, your, your boss, your business, whatever it is, they will give you a figure. We said, let's say a unit of $1,000. And then you'll give some to your living arrangements, some to your transport arrangements, some to your utilities, and some to your food and groceries. And here's the thing. I made the point that in that week that what's missing, we're not in this diagram, but I actually clarified it last week is you're in this diagram. If at the end of the pay period, you've got nothing left, you're the arrow. And I made the point that this is not you earning money. This is you laundering money. And then at the end of the Pay period, you go back and you get another bag of money and you launder it again. And none of it ends with you. And that's not God's best. That's not how you build a legacy. That's not how you build a future. That's not how you set the next generation up for financial freedom. We can't even give if we don't have things left over to give. And by the way, week three, we talked about maybe don't give leftovers. Take charge with generosity. And God says a lot about that. 
And here's the thing that we've identified. This generosity piece, and I'm not saying we're better than any church or any church is doing it wrong, but we've identified that this is an area that a lot of churches, when it comes to money, only talk about. And what happens is if we only talk about generosity, we can be set up as people that grow an appetite, a desire, a willingness to be more generous. And yet if you're in debt, if you're, if you're one of the four in 10 people that don't have savings, for adult Australians that don't have savings, it's very difficult to be generous. So we, we talked about all of these topics because they all matter. And generosity matters. It's not just about paying down debt and, and building a nice savings account. It's about being generous. And this is the diagram that we've encouraged people. Take that uh, payday, $1,000, give to God first, 10%, then move yourself from being the arrow to actually being in the queue and be second in the queue. Pay yourself, save, second. Then whatever's left, just throw it up for grabs. And the, and the mortgage and the rent and the utilities and the petrol, they can have it all. And then at least you've given 10, you've saved 10, and the rest is up for grabs. We call that give save, live. And uh, if you missed any of that, and by the way, we, we sh uh, showed a story last week from uh, Jared and Rochelle Beanie, and it's actually on our app. You see the tile there, uh, the stories app. If you weren't here last week, you didn't uh, see that story, grab our app, download it, tap the stories, and you'll see Jared and Rochelle's story of their journey, getting out of debt, moving into a savings phase of their life, being generous throughout that whole season. And the reason we love stories like that is that, that it's a story of two normal people. Well, actually, no, uh, I suspect Jared's a cyborg. It's a story of a cyborg who's married to a normal person and how they thought it was normal to get into debt, but actually they've demonstrated as normal people of actually how God can lead us out of debt into financial freedom and increased generosity. So I, I almost make that compulsory, compulsory viewing if I could. Uh, and by the way, you can tap our podcast tile at the top and go back and listen to any of the, these messages you missed or listen to them again or make your spouse listen to them, whatever it takes. Um, they're there and uh, it really is a game changer. And I've been so encouraged over these three weeks by the amount of people that have come to me or messaged me or whatever it is and just say, this, this stuff's really helped me. This teaching, this series has really helped me. And then I ask the question I love to ask, what has God spoken to you about? I don't just want to hear it's good, it's enjoyable, it's funny, whatever. What's God actually spoken to you and what have you done with that and I'm, and I'm hearing stories of people that have started declaring war on debt and taking like for example the debt snowball that we talked about and paying debt down people that have got no debt but they hadn't started this journey into savings people that have maybe done those that haven't really taken their first step or, or they're ready to take a next step with giving and just super super encouraging so for those of you that are taking those steps well done those of you that have heard God give you a nudge and you haven't yet like that song, there's an open door, but you all got to walk through it. God doesn't do this one. He doesn't do this one. He does this one. Hello? And we've got to move towards that. And so today I want to actually talk, and I've said this series, it's a four-week series, and I, the metaphor is that it's four walls, like we're building a house, a house of understanding, a house of perspective, a house of, of, a, of a, 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 a biblical, a god view on money and stuff that all four walls matter and so today i want to actually build the fourth wall okay so again go back and listen to the other three because if you only listen to one or put one into place or two into place or three into place you're not going to have the best position that god's actually got for us so they all matter 
Today I want to talk about, uh, what do I want to talk about? Taking charge with management. Now, I talked about building a house. Speaking of building, last Sunday afternoon, Louis and I were uh, popped over the neighbor's house for a couple of hours, hang out with them, and they've actually built uh, an extension, renovation kind of deal, very similar to what we want to do. So we're smart enough to not just have to learn by uh, accident, but actually learn from other people's uh, journeys. So we went over there and picked their brains and asked them a million questions. And Louis played out loud a game that she likes to play. Uh, last week, the Powerball jackpot had got to $70 million, and Libby goes, oh, man, man, I tell you what, if I win that $70 million, here's what I'm going to spend it on. And, you know, we're calling that building contractor tomorrow. And uh, away we go. And, uh, but, you know, I wonder, has anyone done that, played that sort of game? If I won the lottery, if I, yeah, cool. Well, if you haven't, let's play it now. Let's say tomorrow, so go there in your imagination, time travel to tomorrow. Let's say tomorrow, you get up, you check your banking app, and there's a million dollars in your banking app, and it's not a banking error. Someone's actually transferred it there. They sent you a text, said, good morning, have a great week. Here's a, check your bank account. There's a million bucks. It's there for you to do whatever you want with it. Well, just allow your imagination to free range for a while. What would you do with that? Well, you've spent it already. Oh, no. <laughs> Could buy a lot of shoes, I know. So... Some of you are going to think about, well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pay down the credit card debt to zero or pay my car loan debt down to zero. Great. I, I get it. Good, good move. Some of you, you maybe say, well, I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm going to upgrade my car. You know, the, the most faith I use in the morning is walking out to my car, praying it's going to start this morning. Great. Upgrade your car. I get that. Having a reliable form of transport matters. Maybe some of you, you, you might think, well, we're going to actually book that bucket list holiday that we've ever talked about, great. I get it. Some of you may be a bit more responsible than any of that, and you're going to save some, maybe put it towards your kid's education, maybe invest some, get your money to make money for you, make money while you sleep. That's a good play. Put something in your extra into your superannuation. Maybe some of you are going to be generous and give some away. Uh, just an idea. I know, crazy one. But, but here's the reality. Your friend texts you to say, I've actually given you a million bucks, and you, no strings attached. You didn't have to tell me what you spent it on. You didn't have to explain it. You didn't have to send me receipts. You didn't have to justify your purchases. It's your money to do whatever you want with it. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Well, keep your phones on overnight because I might just be uh, hoping you text me. Um, but in that situation, that money's yours. You are the owner of that. You're the boss. And you get to tell that money where it's going to go. But let's flip the script a little. Let's say your friend texts you and says, I've just put a million bucks in your bank account, and I'd prefer you not to ask me any questions why. Uh, but I just need you to look after it for a little while. And in a year's time, uh, I'll, I'll check back in about that million bucks. Well, you see, that should, <laughs> if you're responsible, if, that should change the rules of engagement between you and that million dollars. Hopefully, again, hopefully, if you're responsible, the bucket list holiday shouldn't feature in what you're going to do with that million dollars. 
hopefully. Hopefully, the, the car upgrade or the paying down the loan or the paying down the credit card shouldn't feature with that million dollars, hopefully. Being the manager of someone else's money is very different than being the owner of your money. And that's a perspective that Jesus actually dropped and wanted us to get clarity on. And I want to go there this morning. So if you've got our Elevate app, you can uh, tap the bottom left tile, the Bible. It's going to take you to actually one of Jesus' last things he said. And the reason this is important, apart from Jesus said it's important, but actually when you know that you're going to die, and Jesus did, you choose your last words very carefully. In other words, man, I've only got a limited window here, and I've only got this much time to say what I'm going to say, so I'm going to make my last swing of the bat some of the most important stuff I've ever dropped. Uh, in fact, where we're going to drop into the story that Jesus told is just before the Last Supper and just before Jesus ultimately was going to be arrested and uh, crucified. And, and, and uh, it really matters. And by the way, just a little sidebar on that, three weeks today, Easter weekend, Easter Sunday. And just to let you know, uh, we haven't started officially promoting it, but uh, we will have a Good Friday live experience here, 10 a.m. It's going to be a lot less Aerosmith. <laughs> I don't know. Just the Friday bit, all right? And uh, then on the Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, 10 a.m., uh, we're going to have uh, do an Easter live experience. And the, the topic is called uh, All or Nothing. And asking the question, is Easter a lie? Because if Jesus didn't die and rise again, then let's just still go and have coffee. Because it's a lie. And what are we doing? Uh, but if he did, then that changes everything. And... So we're just going to unpack that a little bit, and a perfect opportunity for you all to bring your family and friends here uh, that morning. So it's three weeks. Don't leave it to the last minute to invite them. Start inviting now, and that's why we're talking about it now. But this story that I want to drop us into, if you've been orbiting the church's sphere for any length of time, you'll know it's called the parable of the talents. Now, we don't call it the parable of the talents, because what does that even mean? The message, where you dropped it in, it's called, it's called the story about investment. And this is what Jesus taught. The kingdom of heaven is also like a man going off on an extended trip. And he called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. And to one he gave $5,000, to another $2,000, and to a third $1,000, depending on their abilities. And then he left. So here we have in this scene four people, but essentially two groups. One group is the owner. That's God. That's Jesus. And the second group, the, the servants. And in this particular scenario, they're now being appointed the managers of a portion of the owner's money while he was going away. Now, I want to know, you notice a few things about this. First of all, they didn't all get given the same amount. And I met a lot of people that that very idea just rips their undies. And, I, and they're like, oh, God's not fair. Somebody got more than me. Oh, I didn't get as much as I wanted. And they spend their time whinging about how God's not fair and someone got... You know, in this moment, it's the wrong perspective to be asking, is God fair? But actually understanding that in this moment, it's not that God's fair, it's that God's actually responsible. Because think of this. Let's say you decide to join a gym. You've never been to a gym in your life. For whatever reason, you decide to join a gym. So you go to the gym 
and the instructor is going to walk you through, kind of just show you the equipment and take you through your first workout. Now, you've never been in a gym before. You've never lifted any, used any of the equipment in the gym, and they're walking you around, and they're showing you this machine, and they're showing you that machine. And, and as they're going, you're hearing some grunting. Uh, uh, you can't do it. Uh, uh. And you look over into the gorilla corner, and there is men with no necks, bench pressing in a way that's causing the bar to actually bend and, and the, at, with the weights hanging off. And you say to the instructor, boy, that looks like fun. <laughs> How about we go over and do some of that? It's not fair that I'm over here on the pec deck machine and I can't even put the pin in because I can't even lift the five. <laughs> I feel like you're holding me back. I feel like you're limiting me. I've got way more ability than that. Instructor, that's not fair. And they say, listen, I'm telling you that in this moment, you do not have the ability to go over to the gorilla corner and try to do what they're doing. So my job is to be responsible and say to you, not yet. But I'm not just going to say to you, not yet. I'm going to say to you, all of the gorillas started over here. Yeah. And what they understood is that the journey to an increased capacity started with doing the best you can with what you have. So God doesn't give everyone the same, not because he's not fair, because he's responsible. can't get up past that missed opportunity I had of rapping this morning. <laughs> and then some people don't actually start. We call them whingers. Podcast listeners, you might want to ask the internet what's a whinger. A whinger is what it sounds like. Oh, God, they got more. I don't have enough. And don't actually do anything. But here's the thing, in that moment, when you understand that at any point in time, you have a fixed amount of capacity and God's given you a fixed, a fix, fixed in that moment, fixed in that moment, a set amount in that moment, you've got a choice to whinge about what you don't have or say and ask a better question, what am I going to do with what I do have? Because God doesn't ask us to use what we don't have. He only ever asks us to use what he's put in our hand. And that's a hinge moment. Well, right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. And the second one did the same. But the winger, with a single thousand, dug a hole like Dale and carefully buried his master's money. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate it. And carefully buried his master's money. About three years ago, uh, friends of ours were heading over to Europe for a six-week holiday, summer in Europe, winter here, and uh, they, they offered to me, they offered to lend me their car. Now, normally I'd say, no, I got a Vespa, I'm, I'm sweet, I'm good. Like, cars like spend 99% of the time sitting in the driveway depreciating, so uh, no, thank you. And uh, mine cost seven bucks to fill, lasts me three weeks, so no, thank you. And then I'm like, actually, I go to swim squad at 5.20 a.m. three mornings a week, 
and it's winter, and I'm in a Vespa, and they're offering me a car, and cars have like windows and doors and a roof and stuff, and I'm like, actually, I'll take the car. Yeah, it'd be great. But here's the thing. They weren't giving me the car. They were just lending me the car. And so for the next six weeks of, there's a heat, that, you know cars have heaters. That's amazing. <laughs> so of, uh, of driving in a heated a vehicle, six weeks in the winter, fantastic. But I looked after that car so, so, so very well. And just before they got back, I made sure I filled the car with petrol full. It's painful. And, and had the car detailed. Because here's the thing. How you, how we use what's been entrusted to us is a clear representation of the honor we have for the owner. So by handing them back something that was actually better, they didn't give it to me full, and they didn't give it to me detailed, well, give, loaned, but I gave it back better than I found it. It's a sign of honor, how we treat something that's been entrusted to us. And the other thing I want us to get out of this idea is not only does God uh, give us according to our abilities, the one that had 5,000, he actually doubled what was entrusted to him. The one that had two doubled. You may have only started with this much, but your capacity isn't fixed. You might not have as much as someone else. You might not have as much as you want to, but know that your capacity isn't fixed and the gateway to increase capacity is using what you have. If you want to one day get into the gorilla corner, peck deck consistently. Get the pink weights and, and do, the dumb, do the flies. Yeah, I know, the grannies are laughing, but it's a start. It's the key to growing in the gym. It's the key to growing in life. And then I'll just give you a flyover of what happened next. The master did eventually return. And so the first servant said, man, hey, hey master, you give me five, here's 10. The master's like, oh, nice. One that had two, two, here's four. Poof, awesome. And this is what, in a, in a different version, so you won't see it in these words in the one in our app, but this is a different version of what Jesus taught, that the master said these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things that I will put you in charge of many things. They increased their capacity. Now they got a promotion. And he uses this word faithful twice to acknowledge and affirm that they had done the right thing. And there's a problem <laughs> that I've observed with using that word faithful. And the problem is that Often the word faithful is used in the context of just keep doing what you've been doing at the same level that you've been doing it. That just showing up is the gold standard, that you've been faithful. Oh yeah, we've been married for 40 years, miserable for 30, but we're faithful. And yet by its very definition, Jesus links faithfulness to fruitfulness. That faithfulness actually equals free. He said you were defined as being faithful, having shown your ability to be fruitful. Now, showing up matters. You can't build a house if you don't show up to the work site. But, but we're not just meant to show up and do what we did yesterday. And exactly, once you've built the foundation, then get busy putting the first course of bricks on. 
and then the second course, and then the third course. That's the gold standard. It's undergirded by just showing up, but it's not limited to just showing up. We're called to expansion, not just to hold ground, expand our capacity and ultimately expand God's kingdom. And then the third guy came along and he said, uh, well, master, <clears throat> I know you have high standards and you hate careless ways and you demand the best and uh, you make no allowances for error. And I, I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place. And I secured your money. <laughs> so here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. Now, some of you know this story, and, 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 and I get it. But here's the thing. Let's suppose you don't. Like, you're listening, you're in the audience, and Jesus is telling the story. We don't know the tone that Jesus used to talk about this guy. And if you know the end of the story, you might assume that this guy's tone was a little bit of fear and embarrassment. Like, those guys, they, they give you five to ten, and this four to two, and ugh, oops, all I've got is the one. But, but I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was his tone. I, I wonder, I, I don't know. So let me just riff. But I wonder if he was a bit like, you had cause to be worried about those other two bullfeds. Yeah, it turned out well, but you never had to worry about me. Because I played it safe. You could have just gone over and come back and you knew the whole time you were away, you were going to come back and it was just going to be exactly how you left it. And he gave some rationalizations. Here's my checklist, boss, for doing what I did, which was not much. You have high standards. Well, yeah, God has high standards. Check. You hate careless ways. God hates careless ways. Check. You demand the best. God demands the best. Check. Uh, and you make no allowances for error. Well, here's the thing. I think that God does make no allowances for error when it comes to this sort of stuff, but I don't think God defines error in the way this guy defines error. This guy had a very different definition of what we're about to see God has. And so hold that thought. And then because of all those things, he said, I was afraid that I might disappoint you. Have you ever not taken an opportunity because you were afraid? Have you ever stayed in your comfort zone because you thought you might not have enough? Have you ever let an opportunity pass you by because you thought it might actually fail? And so you played it safe. And that might look like the wise play. Because on the surface, it looks like you haven't lost anything. But actually, you probably have. And so here's this guy, stayed inside his comfort zone, played it safe, didn't lose anything, didn't try to recreate the hangover and blow it all in Vegas. He just was like, here it is, my grand. But he didn't increase it either. And this is what the master said. The master was furious. That's some strong language right there. The master was a wee bit disappointed. The master was slightly ticked off. Or as my British friends say, it really did make the old blood boil. <laughs> no. 
The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live, exclamation mark. It's criminal. Man, there's some strong language. The gloves are off. Criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, then why did you do less than the least? Boo! Dropped the mic. Nope, sorry, haven't finished. The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least you did less than the least. At least. I would have got a little interest. So, here's it. You thought you hadn't lost anything? Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out of a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. No, well done, good and faithful servant talk here. This guy said, oh, one of the reasons I didn't do, I didn't increase your money is because you make no allowances for error. And we go on to discover that God makes no allowances for error. The error is playing it safe. The error is staying in your comfort zone. The error, the error is thinking that faithfulness is linked to maintenance. But faithfulness isn't equated with maintenance. He equates faithfulness ultimately with fruitfulness. So maintenance didn't cut it. Now there's a difference between taking risks and being reckless. And some of you are like, oh, I don't think God calls us to be reckless. No, he, that's correct. He doesn't. He does, however, call us to act boldly, to take risks. In case you're wondering, my definition and the difference between being reckless and taking risks. Being reckless is doing bold things that God didn't call you to do. And taking risks is doing bold things that God did call you to do. And on the surface, they may look the same, but God doesn't back the reckless, but he backs the risks. And he rewards the risks. And not only did this guy lose the money that was entrusted to him. Not only did he lose the opportunity to be promoted, he actually used every opportunity that could have been achieved with the increase. And Jesus tells this story, and it's one of the reasons it's one of his last famous last words story, is because he in this picture was about to go away. He's been orbiting the planet, his part of the planet, for 33 and a half years at this stage. And he'd been with his closest followers for three and a half, the last three and a half of those 33 and change years. And he's telling them, foretelling them, guys, I'm about to go. Not just go from this village, I'm about to leave the planet. I'm about to actually return to my heavenly home. And there will be a time. And by the way, and, and while I'm there, I'm entrusting everything to you. I'm entrusting time to you. I'm entrusting resources to you. I'm entrusting opportunities to you. I'm entrusting these gifts and talents to you. And, I, and I'm going to leave you to it. A and then I'm going to come back. And it's either going to be me come back or you meet me, but either way we're going to meet again. And when we do, I'm going to ask you to give me an account of what you did with that. And that shouldn't terrify us if we are understanding that God has entrusted us with something and we're acting like responsible managers 
not reckless owners. And when he comes back, we say, well, can't say everything perfectly, but I give it my best. I always brought my best, and here's the results of that best. And, and he reassures us that the words, which are going to be some of the sweetest words I hope we ever hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a little. I will now you make you ruler over much. In fact, in another version, he says, actually, come and be my partner. It's a pretty good upgrade right there, isn't it? Show you that on your business card when you get to heaven. Partner of Jesus. <laughs> now, some of you maybe actually haven't made this step to begin a relationship with Jesus. And one of the things, and we haven't done this for the last few weeks, and there's a reason for that, but... We want to do it this morning. Give you an opportunity if you've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus. To actually put your trust in him. To, to, to realize that, which we're going to talk all about <laughs> on the Easter weekend. But we, we don't want to wait three weeks. That Jesus came to this planet. Sent by his father. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave. Defeated death. Unbelievable. And he said to us, and he says to us, come follow me, that I'm the son of God and I'll forgive your sins. I'll give you a brand new start. All you need to do is come follow me, put your trust in me. If you've never done that, we want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. So in a moment, for those of you that want to make this decision, say yes, today, this morning, right here, right now, I, I want to follow Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up and I'll see your hand. You can put it down and I'm just going to pray for you from up here. So you might have been waiting for this opportunity the last few weeks, and if you have, I'm sorry we didn't give it to you, but this is your opportunity today. Or maybe this is the first time you've even been exposed to that opportunity, to the invitation to follow Jesus. Either way, take this moment right here, right now, just to put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me this morning. I want to follow Jesus. And when I see your hand, you can put it down, and then I'm going to pray. Just put your hand up. Just while you're seated. I don't want to miss anybody. <laughs> 